This is Chapter 8 of You Are Not Alone. It's hard to say when the world ended. Part 2. I'm the reason you sick ones pray to God as they lie there still. I'm the reason they cry out because I kill. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone, a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. Real quick, if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a few ways you can help support it. The first is rating and reviewing us on iTunes or any other podcast app that allows reviews. Getting ratings and reviews really helps other folks find the podcast. Second... If you want to support financially, I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Blaine C. Martin. It's B-L-A-I-N-E-C-M-A-R-T-I-N, all one word. I post horror short stories and rough drafts of new games there for anyone who backs at $1 and up. In the near future, I'll be hosting reviews there free of charge and launching a horror discussion podcast called Haint Misbehavin'. Your financial support means the world to me and really helps cover hosting fees and other costs that come along with running a podcast. So, last episode, we began a story where I was the player, being tortured by Epidiah Ravichal's Dread. I really love the design of Dread, but I dislike tumbling towers. So Dread, by its very nature, gets my anxiety up. Figured if I was going to do this to my guests, it's only fair that it happened to me too. In the story so far, Dr. Sally McNamara survived the end of the world. It's hard to say the exact moment when the world ended, but it definitely had to do with the EMP bomb followed by a volley of nukes. Whichever moment started it all is near to 20 years ago. We went through Sally's life a bit before the incident, up to present day where Sally is traveling the wasteland with another scavenger named Ross. Sally and Ross found themselves in what seemed to be an abandoned school, waiting out a sandstorm. While trying to hide out in the bathrooms, Sally encountered first the flickering form of a young boy, racked with anxiety about what his teachers might think, then that of a young girl who knew she could do it, but seemed to need reassurance. The girl seemed to be on a loop, psyching herself up over and over again, until finally Sally's voice Broke her from the trance. You have to do it, Missy! And then it starts over again. And again. And again. Can I still hear the wind on the window? Oh, yeah. It's getting bad. You are not in the middle of the uh, storm, but it's coming. And it's bad now. You would not want to be outside at this point. Uh, I don't... Let's just uh, take a couple steps back, Ross, and... Uh... When you speak this time, the girl turns and looks at you. She breaks out of mid-sentence. She's going, you can do it. You just have to bear down. And, you can... and she turns and stares at you mid-sentence and says, who are you? Oh, hey, Missy. Paul. You maintain your composure and she says, Who are you? Why are you here? There's a bad storm outside, Missy. We're just here to stay safe. I can do it, you know. I'm sure you can. I don't need your help. I'm not I'm not gonna help you. I I know you can do this, Missy. I know you can. Who are you? I'm Sally. Sally. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I know, I know you can do it. Oh, you're good at school. Now you got to be good at school to be a doctor. I mean, you go to school for like forty years to be a doctor. You're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, Missy. Well, not everyone's good at school, Sally. You're gonna be fine. I would. I was not always good at school. She starts to advance on you. She's eight, but she's menacing. It's going to be okay. 
Yeah, it's going to be okay. I can do it. I don't need your help. What do you need to do? Tell me about it. She blinks out of existence. She reappears at the sink, splashing water on her face, mumbling to herself. I look at Ross, just put a finger over my lips. He nods aggressively. <laughs> I just hunker down. He points at his gun. He points at the girl. He gives you a quizzical expression. I shake my head no. I don't. He shrugs. I make a, a silence just like, maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> the wind is somehow getting worse. You can hear the window rattling in its frame. You think this might not be as safe as you thought. Maybe for a variety of reasons. Is Missy still there? Uh, yes. There is a squeaking sound. An angry squeaking sound coming from one of the stalls. A number of rats pour out from underneath the stall doors. You could count them if you want to. But I don't suppose that's the kind of thing you want to pull for. No. They are (sighs) wet and filthy, which doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, the filthy, but the wet? Yeah. Are advancing (sighs) on you. Ross pulls out his trusty baseball bat. Looks at you, looks at the girl. Doesn't know what to do. I guess you might as well. What are you going to do? I'll pull out, I think, I think what Ross favors a baseball bat. My bludgeoning instrument of choice is just the length of pipe. Pull to smash some rats. Great. Uh, Listener, Blaine very nearly accidentally knocked the tower over with a... Yeah, that was not good. ...a move of his whole hand. He now needs to take uh, a deep breath. Yeah, that's what happens when a cop car flies by while you're trying <laughs> to find a safe brick. <laughs> oh, listener. Oh, I'm so fucked now. The tower is ugly. Yeah, that's not good. Thanks. Thanks. Popo. Oh, that is such an ugly tower. I don't think Sally's This is only his work. fourth pull, but one, two, three, four, five, six. He goes up about six layers from the bottom, fairly intact, and then all of a sudden it takes about a 30 degree spin. Yeah, we're gonna take a take a picture of that. When this episode airs, people will get to see <laughs> that's no good. Oh gosh, well I might not have to make you pull as much as I thought. You you take your length of pipe and you and, and, and Ross, you bash and bash and bash. You smash the rats, but they not only die, but then a few seconds after they die, they seem to fade, disappear even. And then you see more come out of the toilet. There seems to be a lot of them. All right, Ross, we got to get the fuck out. Missy says, who are you? We already went through this, kid. I'm Sally. Sally. Hmm. Yep, Sally. You know, I can do it. I know you can. That's as much time for a pep talk as I got, kid. What? And she disappears. Where do you go? That is a good question. I guess... hmm, If I'm looking for something that's far enough away from windows, the gymnasium might be the only... Maybe. Real good choice. Maybe. The library might be okay, but I'm a little afraid if the windows in a library go... 
It's like a bull in a china shop. So where to, boss? I need to go to the gymnasium. Ross is glad to join you. He Ross has learned to follow your lead. He, he really relies on you and your intellect, your your strategic thinking. He is uh, glad to be the muscle and the, uh, uh, the sarcasm as necessary. You head to the gym? Yeah. You proceed down the hallway, and about the time that you turn the hallway to head toward what you think is the gym... You don't really know where the gym is. You've got a rough approximation from having circled half the building to get in. You've got a rough idea of what direction it's probably in. As you're coming down the hallway, you see a small boy. Nine years old, maybe. Running right at you with a pair of scissors in his hand. He doesn't seem to see you. I mean, I guess I'm going to kind of try and sidestep. You sidestep and you hear a voice like a mumble and then you hear the little boy say Billy Billy needs him Billy Billy needs him and he trips and he falls and he lands on those scissors coughs he sputters. He fades in front of your eyes. You're a doctor. You know how terrible that must be. And you are surprised to see the same boy running down the same hall with the same scissors. You hear the same mumble. He says, but he needs him. He really needs him. And he trips, and he falls, and he dies again. But the body doesn't fade. It just lays there, kind of on top of the other. And before you can turn, you hear running steps. What do you do? Is it the boy again? Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and stop him and get the scissors out of his hands. Pull for me. Listener, he pulled from the bottom. I'm embracing it. We're just going to go fucking crazy. So you proceed, you're going to try and, how are you trying to stop him? I'm going to like put my hand on one of his shoulders and like smack the scissors out of his hands. You, you you sort of come alongside him as he's running and you kind of grab one shoulder as you hear the mumble that you can't quite make out what's being said. And as he turns over one shoulder to say he needs them, you know the script now. Yeah. You reach forward and kind of smack his hand to knock the scissors out of them. And the scissors fall to the floor and they skid across until they rest at the base of a cubby. The boy turns and looks at you and says... Why'd you do that? How many times have I told I'm a doctor. You need to not run with scissors, kid. I guess that Billy needs them. He disappears. Of course he does. Why wouldn't he? So do the scissors. So do the body. But then you hear footsteps. And you know it's him, don't you? Oh, of course I do. Ross, at this point, what's the word I'm looking for? If this was Buffy, we would say he's wigging out. I'm going to say he's terrified. He says, Mac, I, uh, smashing rats? Yeah. Shooting bad dudes? Yeah. Creepy ghost children with scissors? What? That doesn't make no sense, Mac. I'm... I'm pretty... 
You think I don't know that, Ross? You think I want to be dealing with creepy ghost children with scissors? Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't, but... And the other option is we go out in the fucking storm. I ain't doing that, Mac. I ain't doing that. I'm, neither am I. Let's get to the... Get your shit together. How we know when we get to the gym and there's not going to be some, like, like satanic basketball game? I'm sure there will be. I am absolutely fucking certain at this point, Ross, that there's going to be something weird in that fucking gym. But I, there's going to be we- something weird anywhere we go in this hey, place. Hey, Mac, I need you to watch your tone. I'm your only friend of this world. I'm sorry, Ross. Let's get to the gym. You proceed down the hallway. You let Bill, you let uh, our scissor child die over and over and Well, you only see him die three more times before you get down the hallway. It's a small mercy. When you get to the gym doors, you can hear the sound of a basketball game. The crowd. I mean, shoot, Sally, you can smell popcorn. Not good popcorn. You can smell cheap elementary school basketball game popcorn. It's technically edible. (laughs) It's probably vaguely salted. It probably has entirely... It probably has pink eye. Let's be real clear. Yes. It has popcorn. Uh, You're going to get sick. It has conjunctivitis. You are going to get sick if you eat it. But you're going to eat it because... Your other option is to sit there and eat and watch elementary school basketball without popcorn, which is somehow even worse. I think the fact that these are ghost kids might make it at least a little more interesting. But you can smell popcorn. You can hear the crowd mildly enthused about 10-year-olds doing layups. Double doors. What do you think, Ross? I hope the home team's winning. He laughs to himself, but you know he doesn't think it's funny. You know he is whistling past the graveyard, if you know what I mean. Aren't we both? <sighs> All right. On. Um, let's make it on five. <laughs> Three seems a little. I'm up. Mac, I'm all for it. A little too soon. I was going to say six. You're the brain one. Let's go. All right. I'll count to five. Keep the door open. Door flings open. It's an empty room. It's an empty gym. You can still hear the basketball game. You can still smell the popcorn. You can even hear a whistle, a faint whistle, from some ref who must have done something terrible in life to deserve to be an elementary school basketball referee. Yeah, talk about, you know, where on the chain of reincarnation is that? And then you see, you see a little girl, 10 years old, 10-year-old girl, long blonde hair, pulled in a ponytail, tight ponytail to the back of her head, wearing a a t-shirt underneath her, her jersey that doesn't fit anymore, with beat up tennis shoes. She's standing at like an elementary school three-pointer, which is like two feet from yeah, the- which means it's not a layup. She gets the ball. You can see the ball materialize just about three feet away from her hands as she catches it. She turns. She she sets her feet and she shoots a gorgeous shot. But you hear the sound of it bouncing off of the rim. And you hear the sound of a buzzer. And you see her face fall. And you see spectral teammates walk by her, not touching her hand, not patting her back, lost in their own desperation. She drops to her knees. She shakes her head. She looks to someone in the stands that you can't see. They're not there. And you know that something in her has changed. She'll never feel the same 
What about basketball? Who cares about basketball, right? The world ended. Who cares about basketball? But around the fourth time that you see the scene, you wonder, who was she? What was this about? I mean, who cares about elementary school basketball? Except for 10-year-old girls. Eight-year-old boys. And their parents. She didn't say anything. She didn't have any scissors. What do you do? I look at Ross. Ross isn't there. I feel like that just makes sense. For a moment, I kind of... I think Sally just wants to sit down in the bleachers and remember that what 10-year-old girl doesn't have something like this? Some moment where everything was one way before. and It's, it's hard to say different after because it's not... Most of you doesn't change. But something does. When she misses her shot for the ninth time, you're sitting in just the perfect spot for her to stare right into your eyes when she looks to the stands for some understanding face, some, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was her parents, maybe it was her grandpa. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a boy she had a crush on. You don't know. You can't ever know. But she stares you right in the eye. And she looks so disappointed. Not in you. That wouldn't be so bad. In herself. Of course, you didn't pay a lot of attention to the bleachers, did you? I did not. That explains how you were broken from your reverie by Ross. Yelling, Mac? Mac, snap out of it! Mac! Just in time for the bleachers to give way underneath you. They weren't as sturdy as they seemed. They're old. They're real old. They look pretty good. 30 seconds ago. I want you to pull. To try and come out of this with your skin intact. All right. Oh, I almost forgot about how shitty the tower looks. <laughs> it's got a couple more pulls in it. Ross breaks you from your reverie just soon enough, allowing, giving you the time and the, the awareness to leap forward away from the collapsing bleachers, off of the bleachers. You just barely clear the bleachers. Make it to the gym floor. Ross comes up and says, you okay, Mac? I don't think so. What's wrong with you? That girl. Yeah. The face. I mean, I don't think about before, you know, before, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember, I remember being her age. I remember how disappointing everything is. Me too, Mac. You know, I used to read those sci-fi novels back in the time, you know. I never would have pegged you for a nerd, yeah, Ross. No, well, I wasn't a nerd, Mac. I'm, I was always a cool kid. Cool kid. Uh-huh. I was, I was, um, I was varsity everything. So I'm, I had eight-letter jackets, Max. Eight. I'm sure you did, Ross. What color? Them, but I had eight of them. What color is your pocket protector? It was transparent. We don't have to talk about that, Mac. Um, what's important, Mac, is that I read some sci-fi novels, and I and, and every seemed like every novel I read, if it was a, if it was after the end of the world, they always had a name for the time before the bad thing happened. They'd call it the long ago or the 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 old times. They'd call it the before. Or they'd call it the the good days, or they always had a name for it. 
And you know what? It pisses me off that we don't have a name for that time. But the truth is, I don't want to name it. I want I want to forget it, Mac. I miss it too much. It hurts to give it a name. It's like burying it. You don't want to call it the good times? No. <laughs> they weren't that good. They were. Better than this. Yeah, I mean... I don't know, Mac. It's... I can't care too much about, about elementary school basketball. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I know. It's... I think it's... You know... Ghosts, holograms, whatever the fuck these are. I don't. I don't think it's the. Well, Mac, they ain't holograms. I mean, that's true. We don't that's have not, cars anymore, Mac. We certainly don't have holograms. You know, whatever they are, I'm ghosts. Let's just call them ghosts, because fuck if I know. But like, you would think the thing that bothers you the most about them is that they're ghosts. You know, that's pretty fucked up. But I think, I think the worst thing is that they remind me of that time. I hadn't thought about elementary school basketball probably since elementary school. But now here it is. Well, I have, but that's because I was an athlete back. Top of the... From a young age, I was a prime specimen of athleticism. I don't doubt it, Ross. So, uh... I think we should call the before times. I think we should... I think we should, uh... And this is totally my idea. I didn't take it from anywhere else. I think we should just say the world moved on. And we'll just... That is... That is a... That is a Ross original. TM? Uh, TM copyright. Registry. Send it to myself in a letter. If you have to find a lawyer... Ross, uh, to ever sue anyone over that, I think you're fucked. He holds up the baseball bat and says, "This is my lawyer." That's got a pretty impressive juris doctor. <laughs> Roland Deshane, Esquire. All right, let's. Um, the scene changes. Ross is not there. The sound is gone. You can't hear the crowd. You can't hear. You can't smell the popcorn. What you hear is the squeak of tennis shoes on a gym floor. And you hear a whistle. And then you see a cavalcade of red rubber balls. Big red rubber balls. About nine inches across. Of as, course it's dodgeball. As a number of children, spectral children, run to the middle of the gym to grab red rubber balls and begin throwing them with great passion at each other. Off to one side and... What nightmare hellscape wouldn't be complete without a round dodgeball? A middle-aged gym, gym teacher to one side, whistles, points, calls spectral children out of the game. You are hit by a dodgeball. It doesn't feel good. Of course it doesn't. The... The, the the teacher points at you and whistles and motions off the court. What do you do? I think at this point, Sally is just so close to giving up. All of these reminders and she just half laughs, half sobs. Walks over to the side of the court and sits down. She's out. It's the it's the those are the rules. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even in a time like this, there has to be a couple rules. There has to be in a world with so few rules. There has to be a couple rules. <laughs> and it seems like. You get hit by a dodgeball, you're out. It's a good enough one. The scene resets itself. The children run to the middle of the gym again and they start grabbing red rubber balls. You're sitting on the bench to one side. The gym teacher looks at you quizzically, points at you, 
motions toward the one side of the court. <laughs> Got a doctor's note, coach. The whistle's still in the, the teacher's mouth. He holds out a hand for your doctor's note. <laughs> he doesn't believe you. You know, like, feel around and see if I have just a scrap of paper. Uh, yeah, yes, you do. I'll get ahead of him. He looks at it, shakes his head, and goes back to whistling at children and pointing them to different directions. <laughs> you feel sick. So maybe your stomach? Maybe in your ear? You have an earache? You haven't had an earache in, what, 40 years? You feel like you're going to throw up. You got a headache? You're sick. I mean, you're sick. You're not going to make it to the bathroom. You're going to you're you're going to you're going to throw up right here on the court in front of all these kids. I mean, think about what they will say. Think about what they will say to their to their to their friends. I mean, you'll hear about this until middle school, high school. They're just going. I mean, this is going. This is just, you're going to be Sally. What Sally vomit? Sally throw up. Sally pukes a lot. They're going to... Oh, my... Sally. I'm going to try to hide it. I need you to pull them up the bottom. I don't know if this is a situation I ever assumed I would be in in dread. I've, I've made people pull for some strange things over the years. I need to make you pull more. <laughs> I don't think you do. I'm so loyal. I mean, it's a terrible tower. Listener Blaine has an interesting approach to Jenga. He mostly seems to pet the tower. He caresses it lightly. Ooh, that's high. I'm a good one. Maybe. You still gotta get it out, but you found one. You're able to make it to the bathroom. You run to the girl's bathroom. You don't vomit until you get into the bathroom and then you vomit that's better than better than in the middle of the floor I into guess. the toilet you make it to a stall oh wow yeah I know see how generous I am that is that is so kind and of you you vomit and cold sweats all over your body a voice an adult voice but not Ross says hey Helen are you okay? You know. That's your teacher. I think so. I'm real I think I'm real sick. I think I need to go to the nurse. Okay, huh? Do you need someone to go with you? I can get there. Thanks for checking on me though. She says Hey, hon? You okay? She started over. What do you do? I think I vomit again. <laughs> the vomit again. Awesome. Now what? I need to... I think I need to go home. We'll go to the nurse. All right. I think I'll go try to find the nurse's home. As you make your way out of the gym, you feel a cold hand on your shoulder. And as you are spun around by your shoulder, you're staring Ross in the face. And he says, Mac! What's going on? Shake out of it! I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know either, Ross. You left your gear on the floor in there. What was up with you were rummaging in your pocket? You handed you, you dropped a piece of paper in the middle of the floor. You sat you you just like plopped down on the floor, and then you ran to the bathroom. Are you sick? What's going on? I don't. You're not sick. You're fine. I don't know. I I could have sworn I was sick. I don't. I don't know. What's going on with the storm? You're right in the middle of it. 
Ross says, this is the worst of it, I think. We need to just keep here for a little longer. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if, I just, I don't fucking know. Don't know what, Mac. You need some water? He pulls out a canteen out of his bag and hands it over. I'll drink a little bit. It's fine. It's water. All right, Ross, let's try to find a, a hallway that doesn't have a kid fucking falling on scissors. We need to. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, those are my favorite kinds of hallways. Who doesn't love a good hallway that doesn't have a kid falling on a pair of scissors? Without perpetual child death. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was just saying. You know, I sold that. I sold, I sold my house once back in, you know, before the world moved on mm-hmm. and TM. And um, don't forget the copyright. The copyright registered. Before I sold the house once and I was, I advertised it and I said, you know what's best about this house? It's got four bedrooms, three bathrooms, and there's no perpetual child death. I, I mean, I imagine they signed the paperwork on the spot. Almost immediately. Especially when they heard of just how athletic I was. Who doesn't want to own the house of uh, a gentleman with eight letter jackets? Eight letter jackets. Did I say eight? It was nine. Nine? Yeah, and then I dug the basketball. So, let's go, Carl. All right, let's, uh, I guess a hallway. That's all we got left. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. At that time, at that point, you hear the sound of glass breaking. Somewhere close, the storm has broken through some windows. Ross says, Mac, I don't like this idea, but he motions toward a janitor's closet and says, I ain't gonna be no windows in there. Yeah, I mean, I I'll guess. Expect no children either. Who knows? All right, let's let's do it. Yeah, of course, there's no light. It's dark. Of course not. There's no electric light in here. Ross pulls out a candle. An emergency candle. Made out of some kind of wax. He lights it with a lighter. And he puts it on a... What would have once been, I guess, a, sh- like a shelf for uh, cleaning supplies. There's no cleaning supplies on it now. Just a little bit of candlelight. He says, well, ain't this romantic? I was wondering how many years it was going to take you to make a move. The cannabis app. Ross goes, what? He gets his lighter back out and he lights the candle again. That's weird. Must be a new candle. Yeah. Goes out again. I think you might as well just leave it out. He likes it again. It's almost like he didn't hear you. Kenny goes out again. He likes it again. Goes out again. He likes it again. This time, though, when it goes out, you swear you can see a face blowing it out. Ross doesn't seem to see it. He likes it, he says. Isn't this romantic? Sure is, Ross. Sure is. I want you to pull to maintain your composure in this room with your touchstone now behaving strangely. Oh, there was another one in there waiting. made it shockingly long, I'd like the listeners to know. Yeah, I am... On this jagged-ass tower. Whew. What do you do? Other than maintain your composure. I think... I think... Sally... Feels around and tries to find maybe a bucket. There's probably a bucket. There's a bucket. There's a mop. Cleaning supplies. She turns it over. She sits down on it. She thinks about, she wonders, Sally wonders if expired prescription pills would still work. A voice, a small voice, whispers 
You don't recognize the voice. What are you hiding from? If they find me, they're going to whip me. I'll make sure that doesn't happen. Who are you? Sally. You're a teacher? No, I'm a... You the janitor? You're too pretty to be a janitor. Oh, thank you. I'm a doctor. I was a doctor. Why are you a... Why are you in you at the hospital? It's a long story. So what are you hiding from? You promise you won't tell? Oh, my lips are sealed. I got in a fight. If they find me, they're going to whip me. They're going to take me to the principal's office and they're going to whip me. Mm. He's got a paddle that's got holes in it, Sally. That doesn't sound good. No, sounds bad, right? Yeah. Sounds like it would hurt. I've been whipped before. Well, luckily we're in here. Yeah, but you're not going to tell them, are you? I promise I won't. You know, there's something real important. You might even heard this word, word before. It's doctor-patient confidentiality. It means what I, I'm a doctor, and whatever you tell me, I can't tell them. I, I, I swore an oath that I wouldn't tell anything about my patients. Am I your patient? I mean, we can pretend. That way, that way I can't tell anyone. Okay, that sounds good. What's your name? Kyle. How'd the fight start, Kyle? You're making fun of me. And Dad said that I have to stand up for myself. And that if I, if I don't want to be bullied, then I have to, I have to fight back. He's not wrong. So I punched him. But I'm not so good at punching. I'm better at getting punched. Hmm. I'm going to tell you something, Kyle. This is something probably not a lot of adults are going to tell you, but you were right to punch that boy. This world is mean. It's, it's real mean. Sometimes. Sometimes you just gotta punch him. You feel a smack on your face. You've been slapped. You are gripping your shotgun. I want you to pull, not to shoot. Shaky. You don't pull the trigger after Ross slaps you. But your knuckles are white from your grip on that shotgun. And he says, Sally McNamara, you need to get this under control. How? how? I don't know what your problem is. Look, I know it's creepy. But stop with the zoning out stuff you're doing, all right? I need you to be with me. Look, Ross, I get it. Because I don't know what's weirder right now. The fact that there's creepy spectral children or the fact that I think you just about shot me with a shotgun. All right, I'm going to try, Ross. I don't... This this ain't exactly my area of expertise. So I'm... I'm Why ain't no Ghostbusters here? I'm trying. I'm I'm fucking trying. But I will... uh, For you, Ross, I will try harder. I'll try. It's really all we could do. The wind seems to be lessening. It's still terrible. But it's not as bad as it was. No, that's... That's something. A small good. He says, look, I can't keep this candle lit. We need to get out of here. I'm gonna... I'm gonna look around the room and I'm gonna say... Kyle, can we, can we please light that candle? You don't hear anything. And I'm going to say, try, try it one more time. He lights it. Stays lit. You wait? At this point, yeah, I don't think... I don't. You hear heavy footsteps coming down the hallway. The door swings open. Ross says, Mac, I see it too. I need you to stay with me. 
There is a woman who has to be 10 feet tall. She looks like she must be 10 feet tall and 400 pounds. She's built like a linebacker. And she says, Kyle, Ain't why no, did you punch that boy? Ain't no Kyle in here, ma'am. The door closes. It opens again. She's every bit of 10 feet tall. Kyle? Why'd you punch that boy? I'm going to try to find something that I might be able to bar the door with. The door shuts. You can find something to bar the door with. You get a length of, you, you have a length of pipe. It's what you use for smashing rats. Yeah. You do. The door flings open. Of course it does. The pipe is back in your pack. She says, Sally, why'd you punch that boy? Come with me, miss. I ain't coming with you. He deserved it. You see her hold up a paddle. Three feet of hickory with holes in it so it hurts more. You still with me, Ross? Ross says, "Uh uh-huh. I think you should do what the lady says. She's got an awful big paddle. Unless you think the... uh, our, you know, our plan, you know, our usual plan A will work. I don't really want to get hit with that paddle. I'm going to shoot her. You set off a shot. Pull. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, that tower is moving so much. It is. It is moving a whole lot. That is a nasty tower. You discharge your shotgun into this 10-foot-tall woman with the three-foot paddle. Ross does the same. He doesn't have a shotgun. Ross discharges his pistol into the woman. It doesn't seem to phase her, but she swings that paddle. Good, good, good. And it's aimed right for Ross. You suspect that the game's not fair. Shotgun might not hurt her. That paddle might hurt him. You got about a half a second to decide what to do. I'm gonna push him out of the way. Pull. Yup. Instinct impression that this might be the end. I don't know. I got more to give you if you got more blocks to pull. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Stink depression, this might be the end. Good job, you push him out of the way. Whew. Of course, that means you're not ready to get hit by a three foot paddle. You want to pull again, you want to take the lick. Let me consult the tower here. <laughs> now, listener, Blaine has to decide does he want to pull and risk death, or does he want to uh, not pull? And, it's, and see what happens if I let if I let this uh, woman hit him with that paddle. He's pulled, and now he's got to put it on top. That wobbly tower that he has not done a real good job with the top layer. Got about a quarter of an inch of it's displacement there at the top. It's not great, but you know. You, you not only push Ross out of the way, but dodge the swing of the paddle. Kyle flees out of the janitor's closet. Ross in there. But she still is. And she says, Don't you disobey me, Sally McNamara. You're just going to get twice the lick. All right, all right. I can see when I'm beat. I'll follow her. She walks you down the hallway. Interested eyes look out of their classrooms, classrooms full of children, watching you get frog-marched down the hallway to the office. You can hear a couple of them going, You hear whispers. Sally's in trouble. Sally's in trouble. What'd she do? I heard she punched the principal. I heard, I heard she talked back. 
I heard she ran with scissors. I heard she killed her dog. I heard she left her friends behind to die. I heard she stole her friend's medicine. I heard she let that man die. Everything you heard is true. I heard she failed their patience. You get to the principal's office. The principal takes you into her office. Past the spectral receptionist. Answering a spectral phone. About spectral early dismissal. And the principal says... Are you ready for your licks, Sally? What if I said no? I'll give you double. All right, then I guess half's better than twice. So I owe you one punching that boy. Mm-hmm. And I owe you one for disobeying me back by the janitor's closet. All right. Can I ask what that boy's gonna get for uh, for cat calling me? That's not what I heard. Hmm. You need to be able to watch your temper, young lady. Boys right, will be boys. Of course they will. Let's do it. Two licks. She instructs you. She motions for you to lean over the desk. I'll lean over the desk. Pull twice. Mm. Two pulls. You got one more in? I don't know. You don't have to do it twice. It's true. I'll hit you once. That one's close enough that it's tempting. No, I'm not going to do it a second time. So you pull it once, and you successfully knock it for the second time. So the first lick lands, and you grin and bear it. You've learned to deal with a lot of pain over the years. The second lick hits, and it's awful. It is. It burns. It stings. But it fades quickly as you come to with the barrel of your shotgun smoking. Ross dead on the desk in front of you. You gotta sit down. I pull out a cigarette. Cigarettes these days are so bad. They're so stale. But you make do. You always make do. Uh, that or die. Yeah. Move on. I light it. I inhale. I'm crying. I'm not not healing sobs because you learn in a place like this to cry quiet. And I say, we had a good run. We really did. You hear a bell ring. You hear a stampede of children grabbing their backpacks, putting their coats on. I remember that feeling of freedom. Grabbing their books, forgetting most of their homework. Of course. Running down the hallway. You hear a child yell, School's out! The wind is fading. You think the storm will be passing five or six more minutes? What do you do? I think Sally finishes the cigarette. And she gets up and she rifles through what Ross has got on him. She's going to take the gun, take the bullets. We shall leave the bat. She's got her pipe. Anything else, maybe the canteen. Anything she's going to need. She reaches into her backpack. She pulls out that bottle of pills. It's funny, other than Ross, it's probably been her longest companion. She sets it down next to him. She walks out of the principal's office. 
There is a sea of children perpetually streaming out of the building. Must be nice. Did you ever feel that free? When that bell rang. You hear a voice again. Must be Lupin again. It says, School's out! She's gonna wait and watch him for a while. You wait a little while longer. And everything goes dark. The lights go out. The doors stop opening. The janitor starts mopping the floor. The storm is gone. Sunset's probably an hour away. Where to, Sally? You know, it's been in 16 years, maybe 17, maybe 18, maybe even 20. I think it might be time to go back to New Jersey. So what's there for you? Nothing. Ain't much here for you either. No. You know, they always say, take the girl out of the East Coast, but you can't take the East Coast out of the girl. I think they say that about everywhere. <laughs> As you're thinking about New Jersey, the lights flick on. Keys jangle in the doorway. The principal walks through the front door. She says, Sally? You're here early. No, miss. Are you ready to give it a better try today than yesterday? I think so. All we can do is get better day by day, right, ma'am? That's right, Sally. That's a good attitude. She walks into her office. Children begin to stream into the school. You think you snap out of it. You're standing by the entrance. You look down the hallway. It's probably 100 feet down. Tile floors. Cubbies on the side. Man, it is dusty. Pegs for the coats. You might just be in elementary school. Ross says, Mac, what's wrong with you? We gotta bar the door, don't you remember? We gotta make sure nobody follows us in. And we gotta find somewhere safe. Shit, you're right. Let me grab the chain. I know right where it is. Sure do. Isn't that terrible? Thank you for listening to You Are Not Alone. Thank you to Josh Hearn for running. Thank you to Epidiah Ravichal for designing Dread. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join us on June 20th when I sit down to play Little Fears with Ben Wallace. Until then, remember that you are strong. You are beautiful. And you are not alone. Yeah,